Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're covering season one, episode one. It's uh, the series premiere, if that episode one didn't tell you anything. Uh, when you're lost in the darkness. There, there are times when this episode finishes that thought, and there are times when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to decipher the code, the meaning behind when it does and when it does not. But uh, Aaron, what do you think of this episode on second watch? It's a great episode. It super holds up. It was very entertaining. It wasn't an, as maybe emotionally impactful. Um, but like, you know, how many how many times can you shed a tear when you see Sarah die? And it still uh, hit probably, me. Still got did me. it. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I just like I, I noticed a lot of other little littler things, you know, that I really liked about uh, some other hints to the origin of the, the fungus. I like I, I really thought the way the um the characters played the the initial stages of the zombie infection like i just the way that they just throw themselves pell-mell and a straight a straight efficient line towards the victim is just really creepy and effective uh i still think you know pedro is an incredible joel i'm really warming up the bella as a good uh um as a good ellie uh yeah i i thought it was great um what did you th- what did you think on second Second thoughts. Did you have even more reservations about the mystery or? No, no. I, I think um, once I, I settled in and watched it the second time, I, I felt like I was not worried about a lot of the same things that I was before. And it was probably just a matter of like nervousness for the show. Like, is this going to be as good as the right. game? Is it going to be good at all? Um, and, and I think, yeah, I, I watching it the second time felt very much more comfortable with it and i was noticing a lot of other things just like tonally and and details and stuff and man they do such a good job at the beginning of this and the prologue what i'm calling the prologue everything that happens in 2003 um just creating an atmosphere of confusion and dread um the, the the weird things that are happening that are not quite you know saying hey there's a a a fungal pandemic that's about to outbreak but are just kind of off like the dog staring at the old lady ever increasingly like more serious planes flying overhead you get some weird airliner stuff you get some jet stuff and then you get some like cargo helicopter kind of stuff uh Mm -hmm. is it the chinook is that what those those things the twin called? rotor prop. I mean, I, I I don't know twin rotors from what, but yeah, that's uh, okay. probably a Chinook. You get something like that flying over. And every time you see it, it's just like, oh, well, that's weirder than the last time I looked up. Uh, and I really felt that as they were building that tension. Um, I do think they maybe tipped their hand a little too much with the grandma in the background, or the old lady in the background kind of like fungusing out. I, I don't know what to call it. Where she like you can see it take yeah, over her it's mind. The, the mushrooms taking taking exploratory steps at uh, rewiring this old lady. Yeah, it's a little bit a little bit too much horror before we like actually get into it. But I I don't know. Other, other than that, like I Boy, really it was so found effective, it so, though. Yeah, the uh, scene is super creepy. It just maybe was not placed perfectly, but whatever regardless of Minor what we thought of I, I saw that bloody disgusting um an online horror zine said that uh, reports that um 4.7 million viewers watched the premiere across hbo and hbo max i don't think that's the 
one plus three. Obviously, we I don't think we've mm-hmm. even had the plus three yet, but like that's yeah. a pretty big number. Like um, depending on how they that that stat works out, that's like half the audience of House of the Dragon, which was a monster, like 10 million uh, viewer kind of affair. So if you're coming back at half uh, on, on season one, episode one, a video game property is coming back at half the audience of House of the Dragon. That is mm-hmm. impressive. That is impressive. And the ratings have have or, or sorry, the review scores have backed it up as well. Uh, it has a 99 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes currently, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Uh, IMDb, it's like the highest rated debut of a show ever, I think, on there. So, yeah, it's definitely getting both the critics and the fans excited. And yeah, I honestly too. haven't seen anyone say this is I, I haven't seen people have serious reservations other than, you know, like not sure about taking out the spores. I'm not sure about this. I, I haven't heard. But even then, it's like I, I don't have any evidence that this is going wrong now. It's just something I feel uh-huh. that uh, or it might, you know, like might um Break my suspension of disbelief about how fast the virus is, is spreading. Um, yeah, I think the good news is I think we're already past all that, right? Like, I, I don't. Yeah. Unless we get some serious flashbacks, I don't. Yeah. And I don't really know exactly why they would do a ton of that. Then we're yeah. probably already past the worst of that. And honestly, as a person who I have all the same reservations about normal zombie outbreaks, too. Um you know, you, you just some, sometimes you just have to go with the fact that like, yeah, these these are really hard to contain. It's really hard to this that I do sure, think if sure. you're if you're watching carefully, there are some suggestions in the pilot about, you know, why this might because obviously the old lady wasn't bit by a fungus zombie or at least no one said she was like a damnedest thing. Joel, someone came on her taking grandma <laughs> for a dialysis. Some maniac came out and just just started on on her, you know, mm-hmm. like it seems like this stuff just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Um and I, I think there's there's the, the show because like here's the thing I don't think the video game ever comes out right out and says how this stuff started. In fact, no. I don't think you hear the word cordyceps throughout the whole game. You see it like you do in the show where there's Fedra posters that have like know your infection and all this stuff, and they name the cordyceps mm-hmm. virus. But like the show the 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 show's already done way more to explain what this is and how it affects people than the video game did. Um, so like I yeah I I, I think yeah, if if that's uh, if that's a a little hiccup for some people I don't think it's going to be a season long hiccup and yeah it's this show's just getting universal praise mm-hmm. uh, like ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes like one out of a hundred critics says meh and they're probably an asshole at that phase you know when, <laughs> sure. when you're that much of an outlier you're just you're just a bloody minded yeah. son of a bitch not a maverick uh, <laughs> you're an asshole <laughs> a maverick yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you just did something that I am certain I did in the first episode and I'm certain I will do again. You call this a virus. They ah, call it, right. they, they say it's some kind of virus, some kind of parasite in the show. We know the difference between the two. This is a parasite, yeah. a yeah. fungal infection that takes over your brain. Uh, we're going to say virus. It's going to happen. Sorry yeah. uh, in advance, but we don't need the emails, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. appreciate you <laughs> trying to save me from that. But uh, yes, it is. Because we already get enough emails, apparently. So uh, if if, if uh, you didn't know that five minutes in, they give you a nice little uh, synopsis of why it's a fungus. But yeah. Should we get right into it? Is there anything else we need yeah. to discuss? No, I'm ready. Let's do it. I will say that, like, it's uh, I have read a little bit of the feedback and it's clear that we are going to have uh 
because I it, it's clear that we're going to have a a special feedback show. We had like 13 pages of it to read thus far um, already on a Tuesday. And it's also clear to me that we're going to need a a spoiler section. Um, so at the end of I don't know about this podcast, but at the end of certainly the feedback podcast, we probably will kind of like we did on Game of Thrones, kind of like we did in House of the Dragon, where we had the spoiler sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a spore lore section for The Last <laughs> of Us. Uh, okay. So when we get to that point, we'll give you, you know, a nice little nice little time to get the, the shut off your podcast and, and ditch it. Even if you're, you know, fumbling for your phone, you're driving down the road to give you 10, 15 seconds to kind of like the uh, bail. And because, uh, yeah, there's a, a good amount of the audience. I need to do a survey. Maybe we'll have the results for that on, on our, our feedback show later this week. I need to do a survey, but it seems like a lot more people have played the video game or watched someone play the video game than I would suspect. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like one out of 10 people that listen to, to our House of the Dragons or Game of Thrones show were actually book readers. I It just feels from feedback and from social media feedback that the percentage of people who are aware of the story of the game is, is much higher than that. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit surprising to me. I thought maybe it would be less so, but I guess it makes sense. Internet podcasting, video games are all kind of a kind of siloed into a type of person who does this type of digital media. So it, it maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise, but I was, I was surprised by how many people said that, you know, they're coming from a background where they played the game or they've watched the, someone play the game or they've watched the playthrough, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, it seems like it's a good majority of people. So um, that's that's kind of exciting. We're, we're still not going to do like full spoilers, obviously. That would be mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but yeah, we'll let you know when that happens. Yeah, but at the very end, you're not going to miss anything except for mm-hmm. the spore lures. So let's get your gas mask. You need to get get the fuck out. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. 
Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. And now, back with more Bald Move. All right, well, let's get into the recap. We start off with a scene from 1968, where some epidemiologists are being interviewed. Uh, One of them has an unconventional take on the threat of fungi, claiming that uh, as the earth warms, fungus could evolve to take over human minds. Uh, First thing I noticed is this is Big Head from Silicon Valley, which this guy... You know, he's a joke in Silicon Valley, obviously, but he really impressed me in the scene as he's just kind of he's both very charming um, in his sort of banter with this guy uh, as a TV host and also very effective in just staring at the dude like his expression doesn't really change much, but you can see like a worry just kind of bleed through it. Right. He's on he's on television. He's a host Mm -hmm. of this show. He can't like rip out his hair, tear off his shirt and say, oh, my God, we're all going to die. <laughs> right. 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 But you can see yeah. that kind of creeping into his expression. It's it's really good. Yeah, I thought he did a good job as well um, of being just like a 1960 talk show host where he's kind of like amused oh, yeah. and urbane. Uh, but you see a little bit of the crack um, when the 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 scientist really starts laying into what a fungus can do and taking over your body and feeding on you while you're still alive and last thing it wants to do is kill you because it doesn't want to kill its puppet. Mm-hmm. And then the audience too, just kind of, you can see them like, you know, their stomachs turning and, and it's, it's a very disquieting. And then you get to the part where it's like, and where there's no treatments, there's no preventatives. In fact, it's not even possible to make them. I don't, I honestly don't know what the science is on that. Like if you told right. me that you can't make a vaccine against funguses, I would believe you, but we have pretty effective, uh, both internal and external fungicides. Mm-hmm. Maybe like it, it wouldn't be in time to save you if you got bit on your neck. But like, I don't I don't know. I thought that was. But but in the, in this, that uh, doesn't matter what I think in this world. These scientists say it's fucking impossible. And yeah. it seems 20 years after the fall of humanity haven't had a lot of success in, in researching a cure. Totally. Uh, I also like the the juxtaposition of these two different scientists, because one of them is Dr. Frankenstein MD or whatever. He's over there so buttoned up, so serious. You can see in his stance. And then Mm -hmm. you got this smooth, cool as a cucumber guy, just like lounging in this chair, telling you how it's going to be in for 35 years. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) it's kind of an amazing scene. Uh, And and the other thing I noticed too, is this guy is like sitting here smoking, right? I'm thinking, okay, what are, what are the, th- that's odd. That's not something you would see today. Uh, mm. it, it, on nationally broadcast television, you wouldn't see a dude sitting in a chair smoking on an interview. Uh, sure. I, I think that died with like when Larry King stopped smoking. That was probably the end of it. Um, uh-huh. And then I was thinking about like, well, he's talking about global warming, which is like something they weren't really considering. I mean, I mean, People were probably talking about it in 1968, like in scientific communities, but like the public had no idea. And right. this guy is just dropping science saying, hey, as the earth warms, this could be an unintended consequence and this could be a super serious threat to humanity. I, I find it hilarious that he's smoking a cigarette there because these are the two things that like 
the nation has been massively gaslit on over the course of of uh mm-hmm. history recent history is like sure. oh yeah smoking's fine smoking's not bad for you you know whatever whatever uh the environment's not warming no what are we doing uh yeah it, it was just like the parallels there and then later in the episode when joel's like tells tommy to put out a cigarette i'm like are they are they intentionally going for something like that mm-hmm. um I wasn't sure, but I don't know. I could did, see it. Did you get a chance to listen to the official podcast? You know, it didn't even occur to me. No, <laughs> I need to do that. I will do that for next week. It's great because it's Craig Mazin and Neil. Uh, God damn it. It's not Druckmann. Bruckheimer. Druckmann. Thank you. Uh, they're being interviewed by Troy Baker, who in the okay. video game yeah. is the voice of Joel. And it's a lot of fun. And they they talk. I think all this is intentional. Because Does he do one it in Joel voice? Is, or is no, not really. But you can kind of every once in a while you can hear him in certain inflections. You can hear the Joel kind of come through. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you, um, I, the, the, I think this is all like intended commentary. The fact that like, you know, we are a little ostrich in our head with our head in our sand about, you know, these grave threats. And to the point about mm-hmm. like global warming, I, I was blown away because I a couple years back they had a traveling Apollo um exhibit uh that came to the cincinnati natural history museum and we went to go see it and it had a whole bunch of artifacts from apollo 11 and one thing that was unique to the cincinnati exhibit um that was at the very front is a the, the transcript of a speech that neil armstrong gave at this very same museum at some commencement of a project back in 1973 um and in the text of his speech he talks about like you know we got to be aware you know that the nasa is great because it does this but also it's a bulwark against the anti-science stuff and it's like you know we are facing a lot of unprecedented crises and he mentioned um i know he mentioned acid rain there was mm-hmm. something else but also the threat of of global uh warming wow okay. 1973 so it's like yeah there was there you know there's this is this has been again in the scientific community something that's been mm. a, a source of concern and alarm for a long time uh it's just kind of like yeah i think until the, the 80s and 90s the public didn't become aware of it and you know 30 years later we're still still uh still cooking this here this this joint still boiling the frog so i sure. think all that everything you picked up there is is intentional and i love the idea that like this that that could have unintended consequences on this the environment of species that could be harmful to us if the temperature changed that's right that's such a cool idea uh that was never part of the game that that was never laid out like that but here yeah. i think it's super effective also I, I really like how the fungus neatly sidesteps a lot of things that you might you know have a problem with the zombie infection because these aren't dead things these are things that are being parasitized they're not rotting, even though maybe they should because, you know, fungus can produce chemicals like penicillin that prevent infections. And it's like it just it's it's none that the important thing to remember with these zombies is they're not really dead. They don't go through some kind of death and then come back to life. What they do is they're still alive. And this mm-hmm. thing is just rewiring them like a robot. Um, and you got to wonder and, how aware the, the host is of that process. What do they feel? Yeah, because they that? described it as a hallucination. Like that's uh-huh, like, like imagine LSD like or... the worst trip of your life where, oh, God. <laughs> and like yeah. you know probably like like a lot of hallucin like you know uh, I've had some trip experience and the Ooh. interesting thing is every once in a while you'll have a moment of lucidity where your brain like your consciousness reasserts and you're like Jesus Christ what the and then imagine that except for in the concept of you are you know feeding on a human being. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never You're had that bad of a trip. And right, exactly. Suddenly, oh, where exactly. am I? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and then everything. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be um, an interesting thing that they explore. Yeah, I do wonder if we'll ever get like a first person perspective of uh, like a first hand thing where someone is turning. Or they can do like I, in The Walking Dead, they, they did this a lot in the earlier seasons. And ironically, in the, the tail end of the, the, the series, um, they would suggest that like a zombie would try to open their front door or pick up a teddy bear or do something like there's some kind of echo of who they were rattling mm-hmm. around in that brain. So there's, you, you don't even need a first person perspective. It's just something that the show can do to suggest that there is something the lights aren't entirely off, which is that's the ultimate. That's yeah. the ultimate horror to be locked into something like that. Totally. All right, uh, let's move on to the intro sequence. Um, we get the Last of Us theme from the game directly. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call him Gustavo because I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. It's a, it's a mouthful. Uh, this is a great song, and mm-hmm. the imagery here too is very good. You have kind of the fungus taking over the U.S. You get sort of a map outline of the country in fungus. You get a human skull as seen from like a particular angle. You can't really tell it's a human skull until it switches angles. You kind of make out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's super cool imagery. Um, Anything else in there that you noticed? Someone suggested in email um, that they wonder if they'll use that map sequence to kind of like highlight the locations that Joel and Ellie and and company are traveling through at any particular time. Mm-hmm. Which I would be, I think that would be a great idea. Like that's just like yeah. steel. Like I think more shows where you're covering a lot of distance and you know time, and that is 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 uh, part and parcel of the story. Could crib a few things from Game of Thrones. Even House of the Dragon uh, could crib a few things from Game of Thrones intro. And I, I would because like honestly, I I thought this was cool and it was evocative, and I'll only watch it once. Unless they do some kind of thing like map highlights, <laughs> right. because it's also very long and elaborate and I can just hit skip and, and get right to the story. Yeah, and I think if this is going to be a story of like Joel traveling from Boston to Wyoming to try and find his brother, then that's a lot of distance to cover. And True. I would like to kind of know where he is at any given time. But on the other hand, I don't I mean, as Americans, shouldn't we know that geography? <laughs> like if someone says, oh, we're in roughly. You know, we're in Pittsburgh. Ah, oh, fuck. Where's Pittsburgh? I have no fucking clue. Jesus. Show me on the map of Westeros where it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. If I were them, I'd probably avoid the major cities. So I'm thinking, like, how do I tell North Dakota from Wyoming? How do I tell? Gotcha. Honestly, how do I tell Michigan from Illinois? Like, mm. yeah, there's a lot of. OK, how far in this journey is he? Questions that I'm going to have. Uh, OK, and then we go over to. Uh, Austin, Texas in 2003, actually September 26, 2003, which is Joel's birthday. Uh, Sarah wakes up, makes uh, her dad, Joel, breakfast, and he's going to work uh, double on his birthday at a construction site. He promises to be home at 9 p.m. with a cake, and before they leave, uh, them for, him and his brother, Tommy, for work and uh, Sarah for school, Sarah takes cash and Joel's watch from his dresser drawer and promises to visit the neighbor that night. Did you know who Sarah is in real life? Who Sarah is in real life? The actress, the portrays her. Yeah, I, I, yeah. No. Nico Should Parker. I? That is Tandaway Newton's daughter. Oh. And All once right. you know that, yep. 
there are so many so many places where she, the way she tilts her head or looks up or uh the way she sounds is, in her interview her post uh that episode too, interviews. i think her, like it's like oh my god there's a little control c control v going on there uh-huh. um so i thought that was kind of neat uh uh, that that uh, nice. we've got a little Westworld in our The Last of Us through genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I thought these scenes were great. I thought Nico and uh, Pedro had a really good father daughter chemistry. I love that you know that that line where she's like, "Pretty soon you're gonna have to wear diapers," and he goes, "Who says I don't?" Like it's got that easy kind mm-hmm. of like joking uh, Uncle Tommy showing up, and it's you know this is a family that's kind of precarious, like a lot of people, like a lot of families in America are. It's like Joel can't afford to not do it, not get paid for his job. He's got to pull a double on his birthday. It's you know, um, I, I I like it. I like, and it shows that you know she cares about her dad. Uh, she gives him a thoughtful gift, something that's like you know, it's, it's a perfect type of gift, something that you probably want but you wouldn't think to do for yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's good. It's good. Did you did they establish that Joel is a combat veteran in the video game? Is it Joel or is it Tommy? Oh, I think this is Tommy's truck, right? He's driving. Got you. OK, that makes a little. That, so did they establish that Tommy's a combat veteran in the game? Uh, that I couldn't tell you. I don't think because so. I, I, don't I, 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 I forgot that this is probably Tommy's truck. And I was thinking it's really smart to add that detail because, you know, uh, I don't think it's any. There's a lot of violence uh, in, in mm-hmm. this game. You already see Joel's kind of capable of it. And I think it's uh, it's a lot easier to understand this kind of every man being a Rambo character if he had some kind of formal training. Sure. And I thought it's smart to, 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 to scoot that in. Yeah. And we know later on that at least Tommy survived to 2023. So, right. Yeah. I'm sure that training came in handy at some point. Yeah. Uh, That's right. I and he's the one with the rifle and use. Yes. Yeah, so he, you're, you're, uh, I think you're 100% right. It's, it's probably Tommy with the experience. I, I was very confused at first. I had to go looking around for an answer to this. And Craig Mason gave us one. But when Sarah picks up the knife out of the drawer and opens it mm-hmm. up and like runs her finger along and I'm like, what is this trying to tell us? Did you see anything on this? I got it. No, I've got a, I had the question of same things. Why? There's a couple things. This and the school scene, I didn't quite understand the yeah. import of. So I, I, I don't know. Craig Mason said in an interview, he said, so she also finds a knife. Um, and you see her fascination with it. To me, that's the kind of thing where you wonder what would Sarah have become? These little bits of things that we connect you to her in such a powerful way that you just forget that there's a possibility that she won't make it. Oh. So, so they're trying to add layers to Sarah, mm-hmm. obviously, so that we identify with her more as a character. Uh, so that when she does die, it'll be a bigger blow, a bigger surprise. I, I guess that works. It, it didn't do much for me, I'll say. It also connects her to Ellie because Ellie's got this, you know, uh, one thing they established early on is her fixation yeah. and her kind of like using her knife as a as a wooby, as a as a comfort blanket. Uh, she needs to have it or she feels like she's naked. And I, I yeah, like that this that Ellie uh, could be a surrogate daughter to Joel and that they have these things in common. And there's going to be things that we notice, things that Joel notices. I, I could see it. I, I did. I did think it was kind of weird. At, at first, I thought, are they suggesting that she's infected? Because I. I thought about, you know, some of our preseason conversation. We talked about the uh, 
toxoplasmoid that infects you from cats to make you like cats better. And and that when that gets into mm-hmm. mice, it makes them lose their inhibition and fear over certain things. And her fuddling with the knife is like, are they suggesting that like she's l- losing her self-preservation instinct? But my fucking son, I hand him a sharp knife. The first thing he does is run his thumb on mine. So one of these days, son, you're going to lay your thumb fucking wide open uh, <laughs> because there are some knives that are sharp. You know, your dad can't sharpen a knife that that sharp. But you're going to you're going to do that to the wrong one and and really regret it. But I don't know. Sometimes kids are just dumb. Sure. Got to get stung to, <laughs> yeah. to stop that behavior. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It didn't it didn't really click with me. But uh, they also wanted to like juxtapose i guess ellie and sarah is another thing that uh mason was saying sure in an interview where like the very end when joel you know has to kill or maybe doesn't even have to but kills the the fedra contact um Mm -hmm. these trading drugs with ellie looks at that and she is kind of excited by it in a weird way they talk about all this at the the end of the episode right um behind the scenes and Sarah was like the opposite. She was horrified when Joel killed kind of that old lady. The other one kind of is drawn to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of difference there too, not just like similarity. But what could she have become in that world? Who sure. knows? So Sarah attends her English class, and when it ends, she takes a bus to the city where she gets Joel's watch repaired for twenty bucks at a watch shop, and the shop abruptly closes. And Sarah's told to go home and pushed out the door. Uh, what is the point of the classroom scene? Um, I, it, it, and in particular, the bracelet where she notices the bracelet is like shining in her eyes. Um, I kept on thinking, like, are they trying to suggest that she's again? I, I, the first time I was watching, I was thinking, are they trying to suggest that she is infected with fungus? I, I don't think it matters, obviously, because she dies before she turns. But like, what what are they doing with this? And. Mm-hmm. So this day they established this this date in 2003, September, would you say 26th, whatever yeah. it is, is a, mm-hmm. is a Friday. And the teacher mentions that they have a test that's going to be tomorrow, which would be a Saturday. Liar. And I wonder if they're suggesting that like the teacher is already f- infected because she's a little confused and muddled. Although I think it's pretty easy. That's 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 something like my son told me, I don't know how many times last week that the Friday before Martin Luther King Day, he had it off because it's an in-school teacher service day or whatever. And like, I don't know how many times I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. I got to get up and take it. He's like, no, no, dad, there's there's none of that. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't get confused, but I, I didn't understand the the bright flash of light. Um, and yeah, in an interview, maybe that same interview, uh, Mason hints he doesn't outright come come out and say it but he's basically saying like this is sarah noticing something off she's noticing that this kid is concerned about something right this is like a nervous tick to the kid okay Uh, that that was that that there was an implication in one of his interviews he never actually like spelled it out is he where four years ago that all all kids from like K through nine were obsessed with fidget spinners? Like uh-huh. was the whole nation uh-huh. just was was the whole nation off? Maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah. But, when uh, I watched it that first time, I'm just like, oh, th- this is a normal kid thing to do. Like j- you're yeah. sitting there just doing something random, moving your arm stuff. or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I like the, the the other thing I really liked is uh, it's, a, it's a cute detail. The shop. um 
window being a clock face, but you can only really see when they closed it and they, the, it, it turned yeah, into a white that. clock face. I thought that was really, really clever. Cool design. Good job, doomed shop owners. <laughs> they might have made it out. Who knows? Ah, watchmaker. <laughs> right. So what kind of combat experience has he got, huh? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sarah visits her neighbor where she's preached at and force fed raisin cookies. And the old woman in the house acts very strange in the background as Sarah chooses a DVD to borrow. And then as she's leaving, a series of what I would call odd things happen. Mm-hmm. Dog just kind of sitting, staring at the old lady. Although my cat does that to me all the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, for, for tens of minutes at a time. We'll sit there for They're half affected. an hour just looking at me. Like, what are you doing, <laughs> you psycho? Uh, and then, yeah, some with some stranger planes flying overhead. Yeah. More uncommon uh, planes. You said she was force fed cookies. Did she actually eat any of those cookies? I don't think so. I hope not. She was forced to take uh, the oatmeal raisin cookies home, which is, again. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Oatmeal raisin cookies, man. Just the fucking Just worst. Straight in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Joel gets home an hour late did, did we want to talk about any of that stuff like the, um, the old lady turning or anything like that or I, yeah i mean that's like you did, you meant you mentioned that you that, that that bothered you i i thought it was one of my favorite scenes of the night i thought it was just the perfect amount of creepy that's happening behind her you know if you're paying attention to the show the first five minutes serves primarily to prime you that this is what to expect you know and seeing her kind of doing that in the blurry background behind Sarah's back and to no one notices but the dog, I thought mm-hmm. was a really and, and that old lady acted the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. like I don't I don't know what a mushroom taking over your brain looks like, but mm-hmm. I think it looks exactly like that. Uh, and I thought I thought it was a super effective. And I think it's possible to not even notice. I noticed it, obviously, the, the first yeah. time we watched it, but. It's possible not to because focus is pulled to Sarah. She's thumbing through all these DVDs. You're kind of looking at her expression. You could miss it. Yeah. Yeah. And also something that like if you saw an old lady doing that, I don't think you'd be like, my God, she's infected with fungus. You'd probably be like she's having a stroke (laughs) or something. So like it's yeah, it's it's I I thought it was effective all around. All right, Sarah um, is at home. Joel arrives an hour late with no cake. But uh, Sarah gives him his gifts anyway, which are uh, his repaired watch and a DVD copy of Curtis and Viper 2, a movie he apparently loves. They play the movie and she falls asleep. And then Joel gets a call from Tommy who says, I'm in jail. I need you to come pick me up. So Joel puts Sarah to bed and leaves to get Tommy at 11.03 p.m. So I want to talk about um, because Craig Mazin said in his podcast that if you pay close attention this episode, there are hints about how this whole thing started off. Mm. And again, this is not in the game. They don't really dwell on the the origin of the Cordyceps virus, even its name or anything like that. Um, It seems like they established that there might be contaminated food. That it's interesting that Joel forgot to get pancakes. They're all going to have pancakes. They didn't have pancakes. Uh, the neighbors are feeding grandma biscuits made mm-hmm. from a biscuit mix. Uh, they all defer. Oh, I'm on Atkins. Oh, no. They don't eat that. Joel, uh, you know, she should. The, the lady's cooking a raisin cookie or uh, and if they're chocolate chips, she might eat one right there. But she doesn't eat the raisin cookies. Joel forgets to bring home a birthday cake. Like All the opportunity this family has to eat flour 
starts, things like that, uh, they don't take. And I think that's a smart, again, it's Instead just of stopping a, for their normal Taco Bell, they stopped for KFC that day. Right. Didn't uh, eat the biscuit. The biscuit fell out the window. I the biscuits know. fell out. They're just, they're just anti bit. They're on Atkins, man. Uh, True. True. They got the they got the grilled chicken. They didn't get the fries. So they didn't have any breading. I think it's I think it's um and again, I don't I don't know that this is it's it's gonna matter. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, well, without spores, how would you get this initial rapid infection? Well, if you had this contamination that, you know, no one because like even the, the day you get you get lettuce that goes out with salmonella. You get stuff that gets infected with botulism, makes a whole bunch of people sick. They recall it. Well, what if you had mm-hmm. some contamination that no one knew to look for and yeah. it just goes out and it's like has a you know a longer dormancy period than like if you got bit, obviously, it takes a while to like grow from the spore and all that. I think it's kind of a smart and it's something that would all kind of incubate or roughly the same amount of time. And you probably have waves of people. Um, I that makes a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot of sense. It's in something that you eat all the breading, you know, things that are, you know, based mm-hmm. on flowers. It's in fucking everything. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's uh, I think that's the hint that it's the flower, something in the flower uh, that got contaminated and spread throughout at least all the United States. Nice. Makes uh, makes sense. Do you know about this Curtis and Viper 2 thing? I don't. This is a game detail that they put in. Apparently in the game, Curtis so. and Viper is a series that Joel loves of uh, mm-hmm. shitty 80s action movies. And this is the sequel starring, uh, you know, Curtis and Viper. Viper apparently is 10 years old in the first one. And he's a trained ninja. I don't know. I don't know where he got his training. But there's a uh, lot of those type of kid ninjas, you know, back oh, in the day. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah. Three ninjas. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they're fighting Russian spies or something, which is very 80s. I don't know. Uh, it's definitely a game thing. Can we talk about the only thing that actually matters in this scene, though? Yeah. Joel, when he puts Sarah to bed, puts her to bed in her shoes. <laughs> what a fucking monster. Yeah, it's true. Her fear going to wake up so cramped, she's not going to be able to walk. Her Saturday is ruined, whether the yeah. whether the fungal infection outbreaks or not. She's not oh, having yeah. a good Saturday. Oh, man. And the, st- the stench. The stench oh, yeah. of twenty-four hour shoe containment, and you're just gonna sleep and sweat in that. Oh God, that's terrible. Weird. That's why none of them got infected. It was just the protective coating of stench. The fungus couldn't take hold. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's such a sweet scene, though. I, I do love her giving him his gifts and their joking, playful nature with each other. It's yeah, it's really good. And she's like, right there, like shows thirteen, fourteen, where it's like right on, like where. Um, it's plausible that like, you know, how many more times you're going to get to carry your kid to bed as mm-hmm. you know, you kind of like start, at least I did. I started like kind of really cherishing those, like really thinking about, man, like, you know, this might be the last time he gets on my lap and wants to be rocked or this might, and you know, uh, Jack, <laughs> he's a kid and he's, he's, uh, he's, he's stout like me. So I stopped, you know, pick him up long before he turned 13, 14. <laughs> but if he was, uh-huh. if he was as, as, as slim as, uh, as Sarah here, I'm, I'm, I might have tried to get away with it a few more times. But yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, it's just like that. She fell asleep in his lap. There's just like this, this, this comfortable familial intimacy that they just effortlessly mm-hmm. sell in this 30 minutes. Yeah, I love the the detail where he like tricks her into thinking the watch she just got fixed is broken again. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that joke is so lame. But you could tell like uh-huh. he got her. He got her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. 
She's, She's like, like, oh man, that, admit it. that dude took me for a twenty dollar ride, but the wife was in on it. Oh, you got to get out of here, my ass. Uh huh. All right, uh, Sarah wakes up at two sixteen a.m. to find that Joel isn't home. The news is talking about emergency services, and there's a commotion outside. So she goes out there and finds uh, the neighbor's dog, but it refuses to be taken home. And Sarah goes inside the neighbor's house and finds that the old lady has attacked the neighbors. I mean, the old lady's a neighbor, too, but you know what I mean. And has a real bad case of fungus mouth. She tries to attack Sarah, but Joel shows up and kills her with a wrench, and they all jump in the truck and leave. Yeah, it looks like she's got a mouthful of alfalfa sprouts. Yeah. Just wriggling. It's it's honestly nasty. That is mm-hmm. such a almost insectile mouthpiece that's been that, that, that's, that's coming out of there. It's really, really gross. Really gross. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like how fast she's able to clamber and run. Uh, yeah. Th- this old lady th- shouldn't th- be able th- to do that. They that's, talk a lot about it in the podcast that that's extra horrifying that, yeah. you know, because in the game it's some middle aged dude, like one of Joel's friends that stumbles over and, and starts uh-huh. causing a ruckus. But like this elderly lady is confined in a wheelchair. The fact that this fungus can re- repair like neurological damage, but for its own purposes and, you know, uh, just just jack you with adrenaline and bypass all of your built in safety systems and just turn it to its own. Pr- it, it It's a lot more explicit when you've got this 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 wreck of a, a human being suddenly uh, run around on all fours and coming after you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Being yeah. more athletic than I have ever been in my entire life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really effective, too, later in the episode where uh, Joel's carrying Sarah and running from the infected that's chasing them. And he cannot outrun that guy. No. No chance. Even if he drops Sarah, I don't think he's outrunning that dude. So Right. Yeah. And he's a 36-year-old in very good shape. So Seems like, yeah, he's doing doing construction work, probably. Yeah, Yeah. probably is keeping himself in pretty good shape just through work. Looks like it. Uh, So, yeah, it's scary. Very um, as they drive away from uh, the carnage here, Sarah asks questions about what's going on, but they don't really know much, Tommy and Joel, uh, other than it's some kind of virus or parasite, and it's mostly people in the city being affected, which is scary to Sarah because she just, like, not ditch class, but she just went to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, there are houses at the side of the road burning. People along the road are begging for help. The highway is blocked off. Um, so they decide to go off road, but they run into a military blockade. So they have to head north toward a population center, which, if you know anything about zombie outbreaks, is bad news. Uh, they get blocked in by people. Then an airliner crashes near them, causing them to also crash. And I will stop there and pick up here in a second. Yeah, they kind of, if you're a game player, they did that nice fake out where they had that Bronco almost T-bone them which is yeah. what does happen in the game. And instead, it's these planes that are clearly being de- like we, we speculated. It seems like these zoom out. The military is trying to shut down a stretch of highway to get these because something bad has happened at the, cl- the closest airport. And they're trying to get these planes down. Now, maybe there's even cordyceps infections on the plane. Sure. And the pilot's desperately trying to land. Maybe his co-pilots like it's it, it, I, I thought all that stuff. And it's like. It's it's this dawning awareness that like it's not just our city. It's not just this is starting to feel like a regional problem. Like it's it's having far reaching effects. It's not just Austin, Texas. No, I love that line from Sarah that just says, what if it's everywhere? What if there is nowhere to go? 
And especially since they talk about unrest in Jakarta, like maybe, you know, that Uh that was, you know, like uh, maybe a day or two ago and it's it's slowly activating everywhere. It's just yeah, it's it's really I think it's really effective how I I think they did enough for me to not worry about how they spread worldwide. If it's some kind of unknown food contaminant that no one knew about and it just got way too much of the percentage of the population to. Yeah. You know, because it's not like all first responders are spared, right? You know, you're going to have a bunch of uh, fungus zombies in your firefighting and your ambulance and your doctors and your uh, police, uh, your military, like everything. Nothing's going to be spared if it's flour. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not everybody can be on Atkins. Come on. Right. Uh, So much of this stuff is word for word, shot for shot out of the game which I was pleased to see. They've, they've been doing a lot of it up till now, but this was the scene that really stood out as like, this is the video game. Yeah, and it really captured that kind of helpless feeling of being stuck in that backseat where everything's closed off. And, you know, you're like, Tommy, it's like Joel's like, just go for it. He's like, what do you want to do, run over all these people? Uh, <laughs> Joel's like, yes, yes, yeah, go, Joel run is, them over. Joel's pretty fucking hard. I also liked... Um, yeah. When they ran over the neighbors and you hear like the, the Denise woman's like, Jesus Christ, Jesus Joel, Christ. she goes and you can see in the rearview mirror, she goes to help and then immediately is attacked by those those yeah. guys. Uh, yeah, that's what you get. Denise should have stayed yep. in your house, locked the doors. Yeah, trust in Joel. He's got reasons for doing what he's doing. Um, So they all wake up alive after the crash, which, of course, you don't wake up if you're not alive. But Sarah's ankle is busted. Uh, Joel carries her as they get separated from Tommy and chased by the infected. And they're saved from an infected by a soldier who is ordered to execute them. Uh, Unfortunately, Tommy shows up and kills the soldier in time to save Joel. But Sarah gets shot to death. Yeah, I saw uh, Alan Seppenwall mentioned that that she was killed by a panicky soldier. I don't think the soldier is panicking. I think the soldier is expressly ordered to kill these civilians. And you can hear it. I wasn't happy about it, but also, you know. Yeah, the the thing that's chilling about that is like the soldier calls it in. He thinks he's going to call in and get help for these two people, civilians. He's like, got, Mm -hmm. got two civilians, one injured in the ankle. And he's like. Really? Yeah, like, repeat like that? he questions yeah. the order that he hears, which is something that you don't often hear soldiers do, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it must have been an out of the ordinary order. And yeah. then he's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. More seriously, three times he repeats yes, sir. Yeah. And then he's resigned to do what he's got to do, which is execute them. Yeah. And there's the soldiers are all in full biological nuclear contamination gear, which is never <laughs> now, when you see soldiers showing up in, in the, the hoods and the gas masks, that's like, oh, fuck, I'm in a zombie movie. I'm in a yeah. fucking zombie movie and I'm going to die. Yeah. Anybody, anybody in one of those suits with a gun, the world's ending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We and this scene, I, I just want to say again, I said it in the instant take, but this is the scene of the entire episode for me when Joel sees that Sarah shot. And he goes over to try and help her realize like Tommy realizes it's not possible There's before Joel be does. Yeah. And then Joel just breaks down. It's so yeah. good. And this is you, you. This is this has to work for you for the show to work. And I think, again, 99 percent of the time, it seems like it's working. And the fact that it's mm-hmm. just like his daughter shielded his body from all those gunshot wounds. Like that would have killed Joel. But like he was holding her and she took the brunt of it. It's just like the survivor's guilt that you have to feel. 
um, in this situation where you and your brother escape and you, you can't save your daughter, you can't save your neighbors. It's uh, it's a it's a deep wound that's inflicted on Joel. It's one of the only types of wounds that happens in this entire episode. It's weird to me that all three people who get shot in this episode are shot in the same place, roughly. Hmm. Joel shot ah. kind of in his left side. Sarah gets shot in her left side in the gut, both of them. Right. And then Marlene later in the episode is also shot left side gut. I don't know. And all three of them have varying outcomes, right? Like it kind of just glanced Joel. Yeah. Uh, Marlene is bleeding out, but slowly Sarah just bleeds right the fuck out. Yeah. I got so, she's completely shot through the gut. And then Marlene yeah. and Joel are both kind of love handle uh, injuries. Yeah. It's just weird that they all get shot in the exact same place. Get, got nicked but, in the okay. muffin top. Yeah, right. Uh, so we go to Boston 20 years later, 2023. Uh, a kid wanders up to the quarantine zone. He's taken in by FEDRA, which is the Federal Disaster Relief Agency, and tested for infection, then promised food and toys. It's such a great introduction because, number one, it's very chilling. It shows you, like, how fucking real this world is. Um, but also, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about Fedra being fascist, Fedra being the villains, all this, which is, I think, broadly speaking, true. Mm -hmm. But they're not monsters. Like, this lady does not she's, – she's, this is not something she's happy to do. This is something that's necessary to do to protect what's left of humanity. At least that's what is the, the feeling. And, hell, they might even be – they might even be right. Um, but like that, that poor little kid, you got to wonder like how, cause he did get looked like bit on his knee. He escaped. Like obviously his family got slaughtered. They've been living for years out in the wasteland and this nice lady is telling him he's going to get everything that he wanted right before she puts him to sleep like a dog. And it's, mm -hmm. it's chilling. And it, um, you know, this next scene where they're Joel's working the, the, the corpse pits, um, I think they did a really good job of showing just how emotionally closed off Joel is because you would oh, think yeah. that if anyone had a problem cradling a small corpse and throwing it into a burn pile, cause it'd be him. But you know, he's able to kind of like muscle through just because he's just so emotionally shut down. Yeah. Yeah. The, the death of Sarah affected him grievously. Um, the other thing I like about this scene with the kid showing up is that he's holding a Fedra patch the entire time. Like, like he's clinging to a salvation yeah. uh, in Fedra. And I, I think it's interesting because they do set them up as being potentially the saviors of people in this first scene. And, and I think they need to do that because the next scene is so grim. Right. And right. it's not necessarily Fedra's fault that people are getting infected. Right. Um, you can't let them into this quarantine zone. That would be bad for everyone. So they have to be put down, but also, you know, it's a little bit of a crack in like the salvation image that they kind of portray in that first scene. And yeah, by the and end I wonder of the episode, also, boy, I, I don't see them as heroes, but we're, we're going to talk a lot about this on the um, on the feedback episode, especially in the spore lore section. But a lot of people are still, you know, the game in the game. There's this whole mechanic with spores. If you go into these contaminated, especially indoor areas, uh, you'd have to put on a gas mask or you die because you'd inhale these spores. Um, the fact that there's so many people dying in the safe zone implies that there is still it's like I don't think all these people are getting bit. Sure the fact that this could in. that this could that, that this could be yeah 20 years after I don't think there's this many steady stream of people going into the safe zone. 
But yeah. like if it's if it does uh, circulate uh, in contaminated food still, like if like, you know, like uh, there's, a, you know, like you leave a, pow- a pile of flour around for a couple of days and you're taking your chances. Like <laughs> how, how, how the hell are you not going to eat? Right. You know? I think it's like there. It's almost scarier because, like, if you know the spores and got a gas mask, you're safe. But like, if every food, every dish you're eating is like fucking blowfish sushi. Uh, sure. Did the chef prepare this correctly? Exactly. Did they use the correct fungicides on it? I don't know. Right, right. I think it's even scarier. And it, this is such an efficient scene because it sh- shows you the grim nature of the world. It shows you how the scanners mm-hmm. work wordlessly without explaining them. Sh- or shows the you the confusion. Shows <laughs> sure, you the t- sure. The you got the poster. Of the infection. Yep. That's yeah, like that a fucking clear concrete. I and I hope they stick to this. I hope they don't do dramatic bullshit like they did so much on The Walking Dead because they've established some rules here. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's it's just again just just a really efficient little script that they got here. Yeah, uh, I I really love the woman who's telling the this kid, uh, "Hey, we're gonna give you food and toys," because mm-hmm. she plays. She's she does a great job acting like someone who is acting like everything is okay, right? There's a smile on her face, but there's a sadness in her eyes that you can see, and it's because this kid's buying it. Yeah, this kid's buying like he. he, Yeah, exactly, and he's just going to go to sleep. Yep. Uh, So, like you said, Joel burns the body of that kid, just one of many in the federal work camps. I have to wonder how many of these bodies are infected, and how many of these bodies are people they've hanged. For various crimes. It's true. There's a lot of that going on, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're about to see some of that. Um, so he's paid for his work uh, burning bodies and, and shoveling up the ashes in uh, ration tickets, and he asks for more work. He meets up with a Fedra contact and trades him drugs for more ration tickets. Uh, he's working on getting... Th- this guy's working on getting Joel a truck, and they strike a deal for one. The contact warns him to stay off the streets because they're cracking down on the firefly activity in the area. Uh, and, and I love how to go back to like this uh, global warming stuff. When you're seeing kind of the the state of Boston and and what's going on there, they show a dude who's wearing a Gore Lieberman 2000 T-shirt. Yeah. Uh-huh. As if to say, like, hey, if we had elected a, a president who cared about the environment three years before this outbreak, we might have done something. Yep. I think it was a little too late then, but they now are. We, there is commentary there for sure. Now we got mushroom bear pig to deal with. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> uh, Al Gore was right. Yeah, uh, uh, they, 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 they do a lot with the, the the firefly graffiti. When you're lost in the dark, look for the light. This trooper says it's easy to make mistakes when you're in the dark. You know, and he's warning Joel to stay off the streets. I, I don't know. Is that too cute or is that just world building, effective world building? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll go with the latter. Okay. I, I, I also, is it crazy to ask for a plastic bag back? Times are tough, huh? He, he gives this guy the drugs and says, I need the bag back. Well, I mean, I imagine some stuff is just like, like plastics probably would be at an all time premium because like what little petroleum you probably have access to, you want to refine into gas mm-hmm. so you can keep your vehicles and stuff going. So all that, you, you know, so. if you don't know, uh, one of the reasons it'd be bad to run out of oil is because you couldn't make plastic anymore. And the world kind of depends on plastic. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I get that. Yeah. How yeah, many ration just... tickets does it take to buy a bag of Ziplocs? 
I don't know. Go out and raid a Walmart. They got a lot of them. That's 20, 20 years. I don't know. I think they burned through the, the Ziploc supply. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just by trading drugs. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, Robert's guys uh, have been we, we take a big turn here. Hard turn to two characters we don't know yet. Uh, Robert mm. uh, is kind of like a low level crime boss, I guess. Uh, he his guys have beaten and kidnapped a woman named Tessa who apparently came looking for him after she paid him some money for a truck battery that he then sold to someone else. And she convinces him to let the whole thing go, but they're interrupted by the room just absolutely imploding from a, what we will find out is like a firefly uh, surprise attack. Tessa gets up and leaves, but she finds herself in the middle of a Fedra firefly confrontation and gets swept up by the military. That's exactly what happens. I, I can't. All right, they might have done too much characterization with Robert because I don't know how he got into the position he's in when he is so weak, indecisive, uh, and gullible. I yeah. How is this guy any kind of crime boss, let alone someone to be feared and worried about? Yeah, it's it's interesting because if I recall correct, that's a pretty big deviation from the game. Uh, the yes. guy in the game I mean, the, is is a lot more in control. Absolutely. And you spend a lot of time like chasing him down this this show. Right. You spend hardly any time, really. But then when, when you get and... there, he's not he's dead. Right. So yeah. in the game, you have to actually like chase him down. It seems like they're trying to establish right away that like Tess and Joel are amongst the most capable of the gray market criminals in the safe zone and mm-hmm. that Joel especially is feared, you know. Yeah. Um, but Tess, you know, he's the muscle. Tess is the brains. Tess is the one that kind of keeps Joel out of trouble and trying to keep him from going off half cocked and getting them killed or making a situation bad. And I think that they did a pretty good job of that. And I guess if they have to make oh, Robert yeah. weak to make the others look strong, then then that's that's fine. But I thought it was a weird. It's a curious change. Yeah. And if he's going to be dead, you know, three, four or five scenes later, whatever. Um, and he is so he is. tidy. Yep. Next up, a girl is held captive, chained to a radiator, and administered cognitive tests. We don't really know. This this girl calls herself Veronica. I don't believe that. Not she's for a real second. spitfire. She's kicking food trays. She's uh, flipping off people that uh, have her chained to radiator. She's like 13, 14, 15 years old. She's just full of piss and vinegar, this one. Yeah. Why? Why the false name? I don't know. Because fuck you, that's because. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I don't think I, I don't know that they, they might do some flashbacks where they explain some of this later. But this is the this is the herky jerky as part of the episode. The uh, I think everything works after the Veronica shits dropped and. Um, uh, uh, ah, God damn it. Uh, Marlene comes in and kind of like tells her what's going on. But like there are these mm-hmm. few scenes where they haven't quite got around to that. I. Uh, it's not like I was lost. It's just more like I that it was there. I could feel the gears grinding a little bit more than than they had thus far. Yeah, yeah. It feels almost like you're waiting for all the other pieces to get into place um, mm. to to bust her out and get the story really going with her. Because I think there is a little bit of a mystery about. Uh-huh. The Veronica, the Ellie. How did Ellie get dropped off at this orphanage by Marlene? And yeah, I'm super curious about that. 
Yeah, like and how and why and uh, all that. Uh, yeah, there, I think there's there is a bit of a mystery that they might be delving into later, but we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. All right, Joel goes to visit the guy who controls the radio to see if he's heard anything from Tommy. Uh, Joel apparently sent him a message three weeks ago and there was no response. Still no response. Uh, Joel makes the guy show him a map where the tower is and with the intention of going there, I guess. And it's in Wyoming. So Joel goes back to his apartment and drinks slash drugs himself to sleep. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Who is this guy? This is just like the guy you go to, the guy who had a ham radio. He's the weird ham radio guy. And when it all went south. I was wondering that myself. Is this did he have the equipment? So Fedra just made him like, hey, you're the radio guy and this or did they have this equipment confiscated and they just trained someone to do it and he's getting doing this for rations? It seemed like it's a is, family. Yeah. Is this official? I I wonder if it's gray market. That's kind of what I was thinking. But it'd be yeah. one of the easiest things for them to shut down if they wanted to, because triangulating a ham radio signal is not difficult. Well, if he's. If he's communicating out, sure. If he's, he's only talking to Wyoming, he's got a, he's got a, oh, yeah. Hmm. But, uh, it, but he, he says, says he you've talked to the to tower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. talked to the tower. Okay. So like, I, I, yeah, it's, it must be run with at least an official permission of Fedra. Potentially. I just looked it up because yeah. like, I think, um, or maybe he moves like, around. Maybe he's like pirate radio. He just, yeah, he, he moves around every day. He's yeah. not in the same place. Uh, I think something that's uh, that's important to appreciate, and I think a lot of people like Europeans uh, don't grasp this, is how fucking huge America is. Sure. Um, It takes roughly 32 hours to drive at 60 miles an hour from Boston to Wyoming. On clear highways. This is a fucking hike, man. Yeah. You're crossing one, two, three, four, (laughs) five, six, seven, eight state lines to do that. And once you get past like Indiana, these states are just immense. Yeah. So it's uh, it's countries. It's yes, it's it's a huge undertaking. And it really under it really, you know, underlines this radio operator kind of like it's it's this many. It's this distance. It's uh, two thousand eleven hundred two thousand one hundred miles. And it's full of raiders and slavers and fungus people. Oh, by the way, this is there are no gas gas stations to fill up your eight tanks that you're going to need to get there. Right. Right. So you better um, bring all your supplies with you. Exactly. So it's it's going to be a daunting, daunting quest. Yeah. There's a shot when when he goes home and moves the dresser uh, to get his drugs or whatever. There's a shot of dust in the sunlight coming through the window mm-hmm. uh, when he moves that dresser that evoked like the spore uh, motif to me a little bit. I, I thought it so very too, much especially felt like right out of the game. Like the the intro screen where it's yeah, just the, the title window screen. with the yeah 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 mm-hmm. I thought I, I thought they were doing a deliberate homage there too I think so and um, we get to see that broken watch again that he's still wearing mm-hmm. so you can tell he's he's got some lingering feelings uh, for his now twenty year old dead daughter and you're starting to have the realization that Joel's a dangerous man when he gets these tools out like he's not just doing like weird drug deals he's got guns he's got mm-hmm. melee weapons he's got maps like he's 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 really well equipped for someone who's just scavenging around in the safe zone 
Yep. All right, sometime during the night, Tess arrives at Joel's apartment, climbs into bed with him. Joel falls back asleep. When he wakes, Tess tells him all about what happened the previous day with Robert and Fedra. Joel wants to go after Robert. She agrees, but she says we have to be cool and hunt down uh, Robert smart-like. And he's, he's having all kinds of nightmares about Sarah, too. You can kind of hear mm-hmm. stuff going on in his head during that twilight he's in. Yeah. Um, Joel and Tess being intimate is something that is subtextual in the game, correct? I think so, yeah. I think I, mean, it's it's def- I definitely got that vibe playing it. Yeah. I don't think it was ever explicit. So yeah, gotcha. Where here they're making it explicit that they are some sort of couple, some sort of post-apocalyptic power couple. Yeah, uh, I like Tess's approach here, where he uh, she says to Joel, um, that they're going to hunt down Robert and get their battery, so they can mm-hmm. go see, go find out what's uh, up with Tommy. It kind of appealing to his desire to reconnect or see his brother make sure he's okay sure. to calm him down. Cause he is right. keyed up ready to just go run into the street saying, where the fuck is Robert? Bring him to right. me. Right. Yeah. But that would and be stupid. Yeah. You got, you got to play it cool. Yeah. So one of the fireflies, Kim questions their leader, Marlene about why they've been attacking pointless in her eyes, Fedra targets all over the city and have had a girl chained up for days. Marlene tells Kim that the attacks are a distraction because every Firefly is leaving the QZ tonight to escort the girl west. And then she gives her a note that explains why the girl matters, but we don't get to see it as an audience. Mm -hmm. But it it shuts Kim the fuck up. She's like 100% on board once she sees this. And they'll do this a couple of times in the episode. I, I, I don't really know why they do this, like try and keep the suspense to something that they've already shown in the trailer, but all right, sure. That's it's You got to observe the form sometime. And to be fair, the episode was written before the trailer was made. So True. blame the trailer people, I guess. Um, then we go back to Tess and Joel. Uh, Tess finds out that Robert is taking the battery to a building that they're familiar with from the past they know a way in from the subway tunnel and they're going to do that. And we get to see that Joel is not down with the fireflies in this scene. Yeah. Threatens to break someone's neck. If he tell, starts pushing him this look for the light bullshit. So mm-hmm. yeah, lots of evidence that uh, there's a lot of shades of gray here. Fedra, maybe not totally evil, not totally good. Fireflies are fighting them. You might think, oh, they're the heroes. But, you know, Joel, our main protagonist, doesn't like him. Had some had some bad run ins with him, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we get a little f- more detail on that later in the episode, yeah. like hints of it. Yeah, but I'm I mean, super Marlene, curious to see. I am, too. What they do with that, because, yeah, later in the episode, he kind of blames Marlene for driving a wedge between him and his brother. And it's got to so be around sounds like Firefly maybe, stuff, right? Yeah, that his brother is like all in on the Firefly stuff. And, time, yeah. and and Joel's like, can we just keep our heads down and make some money and stay safe? And yep. Tommy's and maybe that's why and, they split up because we don't right. we don't know why Tommy and Joel aren't together. Right. Right. At and the they were together the, until very uh-huh. recently. It's only been a couple of weeks. So, yeah. 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 There's so beef here. I don't know. I'm very curious about that. Uh, we go back to Marlene, who unshackles the girl we now know is Ellie and explains to her why she's so important uh, off screen though, because of course the audience still doesn't get to know there. I, I love the beginning of this scene 
where Ellie's just like, you know, pulling against the chains, the radiator, and she looks up <laughs> and the water from the ceiling drips in her mouth. And I'm like, well, OK, she might be immune to the cordyceps stuff, but she definitely has a few diseases now. <laughs> from that water. Yeah. Yeah, that's some nasty, nasty shit. I bet your yeah. immune systems are a lot stronger in Apocalypse, though. True, especially like hers. The first couple of years, pretty, pretty rough cases of, uh, you know, intestinal disease and whatnot. But you eventually, you eventually <laughs> start whipping those things asses. Uh-huh. So this is the scene that I guess was most confusing and intriguing to me. Because there's a lot of stuff that, like, is clearly... Marlene clearly knows who Ellie is in like a very uh, obvious way. She says she put her in a federal military school to keep her safe as a baby. Mm-hmm. Why? Who is Ellie to her? There's a yeah. name drop of some girl named Riley who she uses right. to say like, oh, we're, we're all terrorists. And so is Riley, who clearly means something to you. Right. We don't know who that person is. There's so many like little morsels of a history between these characters and a one sided history, which is kind of what makes it interesting to me because mm-hmm. Ellie was all young, a kid. She didn't even know that anything was happening. Right. But Marlene's been pulling strings behind the scenes. Why? Yeah. Uh, uh, from afar, trying to make sure she's taken care of and whatnot. Yeah, I thought this is interesting. And she drops the secret of her greater purpose, which we still are not entirely sure what is. Um, but she sternly warns her not to tell anyone because if she does, she dies. And like, well, why? Is it because the fireflies will kill her? Is it because the information itself is too dangerous to let her live? It's mm-hmm. I think, it, yeah, it, it sparks her curiosity to know exactly what the hell's going on with this. Yeah, and I think by the end, you know, we we get hints, right? Like she's we find out that Ellie is immune to the cordyceps parasite. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why would someone want to kill her for that? Well, I could see it as a disruption to the current power structure. Like if Fedra gets wind of people who are immune, they might want to kill them just to keep their power. Cause boy, if there was a cure for this or an immunity to it. Wow. That's the world changes. Right. I thought it was more of just like you scan, you you turn red and like, oh, wait, I'm immune. I'm just like, oh, yeah, sure you are. And even if you're immune, sure. are you a carrier? Because like, you know, that typhoid Mary was, you know, essentially non-symptomatic carrier of typhus. And mm-hmm. she had to be quarantined just because she was fine. She just got to made everybody else sick. So it's like I think it's more it could be Fedra like, you know, the Federal administrator being like, well, we can't have this is what's keeping us going. This is what's keeping us in power. But it also seems like that if you got a scanner and a gun and someone's infected and they're being like, oh, oh, I'm Im-, like, that just seems so stupid. Oh, you're immune. You're the only one who's been immune in 20 years. Right. OK, <laughs> sure. Because so, people probably say all kinds of shit if they've oh, been bit yeah. and infected to try to not get a bullet in their head. Because who the hell wants that? Uh huh. No, I, I don't know. It's super intriguing, though. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right, Joel and Tess enter the subway and find a dead body mushroomed against the wall. Uh, They climb up into the building and discover that Robert has been killed in a gun battle along with a bunch of fireflies and their battery is useless. They also find Marlene, Kim, and Ellie. Marlene explains to Joel that that he can have a firefly truck if he escorts Ellie to a team of fireflies waiting for her at the old state house, which is downtown. Um, He reluctantly agrees. And the escort mission begins... 
Yeah, I thought this was I the 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 done infected that was in the subway tunnel. I think it was extremely well done. Oh, yeah. uh, it looked great. It looked suitably horrifying. It makes you really curious about you know how the life cycle of disease. Uh, uh, fungal infected zombies works. Um, I like mm-hmm. the idea that you just missed a firefight, you yeah. know, and it just happens to be like there's just all this serendipity, but I think it works well in like this quarantine zone where like two people are after the same thing and they're brought together and and also like they'd had an existing some type of mysterious relationship too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this I is thought, the same I building that we were we were seeing earlier with the Marlene and the fireflies. We just didn't know it yep. yet. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, Kim, like, taking umbrage that she's going to, you know, trust these relative strangers, non-fireflies with this important duty. And, and Marlene's like, girl, you are missing a whole year. You cannot you cannot do this. You cannot uh-huh. do this job. Uh, I thought that was really funny. And the fact that uh, Marlene's injured. We don't know how badly. Mm-hmm. Like, is she? She says she's, she's bleeding she's, out, but just just she's bleeding out, but she's standing. And like, if she gets medical treatment, but she's also a firefly, where is she going to get medical treatment? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I assume they have doctors. Oh, yeah, so they have to have a medic or something. There's a super interesting detail in here that on first watch, I was just like, oh, well, this is characterization for Joel. It's when they're climbing the ladder and Joel's like, oh, the 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 these things are framed out weird. Uh, Must have been done in the 80s when like they were trying to reduce apartment size to sell more condos. Mm-hmm. It, it clicked to me it dawned on me that the fireflies have done this reframing so that they can climb around in the walls if anybody were to ever attack they have exits ah, these gotcha. are like hidden hidden passages for them to right, right, traverse right, right. just melt away into the subways and yeah i love that joel being a construction worker like misidentifies it as just weird framing from a time period where that would have made sense but I, I think it's actually the fireflies doing that. Gotcha. Uh, th- yeah, this is a scene where we hear a little bit about, you know, Marlene somehow having driven Tommy and Joel apart. Um, it, I, I wanted to ask you, like, she makes a kind of crazy decision here, which is to send Ellie with these two people. And now they're not strangers, right? They're They're familiar with each other. And she knows what they're capable of, both good and bad, as she says. Um, is it is it the best path given the options here to send Ellie with Joel and Tess man her whole it seems like her whole squad got liquidated it just the bad luck to like everybody's going to be called yeah. back here and but the thing is is like yeah are, are Joel and Tess like you're going to roll out in force like it seemed like a whole mm-hmm. fucking convoy yeah I don't know I don't know that's why I'm saying that she must be hurt a lot worse than she's letting on because yeah. how is Tess and Joel better than Marlene and Kim mm-hmm. at full strength? But Kim, you know, is, is pretty is hurt pretty bad. Uh, Marlene must be hurt pretty bad. She must have doubts that they can. And it's like one of those things where it's like, well, some chance is better than no chance at all. Yeah. And, and it's we also can't risky. wait like we can't wait another mm-hmm. day to get me have medical treatment and let for me to heal up so I can travel because they're expecting yeah, um, and it's going to be even harder to do all this stuff because we've lost all of our manpower. I I, I think it, it worked for me. I think it worked for me. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it is very risky, but what other option does she have? I love the simultaneous Joel and Ellie, where it's like, you're going to I'm thinking you're going to do it. And Joel's like, I'm not taking her at the exact same time. Ellie's like, I'm not going with them. Like, it's <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's oil uh-huh. and water. Yeah, good stuff. 
Um, and then while Tess and Joel talk outside their apartment, inside, Ellie snoops around and finds out about Joel's radio smuggling code. Tess goes out to get some supplies and Joel sleeps, leaving Ellie to do whatever. When he wakes, he and Ellie chat. She breaks his code and Tess returns and they immediately head out for the yeah. old state house. Yeah. And they're both like being cagey. You know, she he's not forthcoming about his past and the code and all that, because, of course, and she's, you know, letting Joel surmise that she's some kind of big wigs daughter. That's why they're escorting her, which is a natural thing to think. Um, yeah, it works. Uh, it's working pretty good. Yeah, she. um Figures out that he's maybe communicating with some people named Bill and Frank, uh, and they have this whole code system where they play songs on the radio if it's a 60s song, it means, according to this page, nothing nothing new in stock, I guess. If it's 70s, they've got new stock, which yeah, you have to start thinking, okay, is this where he gets his weapons, his illicit goods? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 80s means trouble, code broken. What does 90s mean? Scene. Did, they, did they use 90s <laughs> I music? I, early 2000s, yeah. What happens yeah. if they put on like an sync song? Yeah, Joel doesn't give a shit about that. He's locked in to his okay. youth. Or maybe they're just waiting to expand the code. Because, maybe, I mean, yeah, yeah. he he moves into a, a new area of black market goods. Maybe you need it. Maybe you need mm. 90s to say, like, the, the Metallica t-shirts are in. 90s is, I'm lonely, I just want to talk. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Come pull through. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, then Joel, Tess, and Ellie sneak outside the walls. They run into Joel's Fedra contact, and the guy tries to take him in. He's scanning him, and he gets to Ellie, who refuses to be scanned, stabs him in the leg. Joel's forced to kill the guy, or maybe he just gets triggered when the guy points a gun at Ellie. I think that's it. Anyway, they leave his body and continue on in the biological contamination zone. Then we see back in Joel's apartment, the radio comes on, and it plays Never Let Me Down Again by Depeche Mode. Uh Uh-oh. Some trouble brewing. That's an 80s uh, song. Also, did you mention that Tess sees the red scan? Like that guy was able to jab Ellie and, and get the scan result and she shows as infected. Fair. And she has to hastily convince. Uh, I, I imagine we'll open up next episode, if not with a flashback, probably in the middle of like, a, why shouldn't we just blow your brains out right here and right now? Yeah. Yeah, because they, they kind of give it short shrift at the end of this episode. It's just like, well, we got to go. You know, we're we're more focused on like the trauma that Joel's feeling in the moment. And we got to get out of here. Then, holy shit, somebody is immune to this stuff, which is a big and development. It is, it's pretty compelling. I mean, like she says, this bite uh-huh. that's obviously a fungal bite. Uh, it's got the weird kind of tendrils. It's all scarred and healed over. It's through. It's from three weeks ago. I mean, the poster says like no one lasts longer than day. Even you get bit on your fucking little toe, like it's that's mm-hmm. that's gonna you're gonna turn within 24 hours. So like it's it's a compelling amount of evidence, but they're still gonna have to have some kind of row. Some kind of row about it. Next yeah, because it could equally be just a delayed case of infection, right? I mean, the likelihood of it being her yeah, being the fungus mutated or, into a less aggressive fungal infection, but still uh-huh. deadly, you know? Yeah. Or, or a more deceptive and advanced form of control right. where you can't really Ooh. tell until it's too late. Like, yeah, all those possibilities are there. It's just like. Yeah. What are they going to believe? What are they going to think? What can she convince them of? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they open next week for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, I like to see Joel acquiring a weapon here. He picks up the guy's uh, automatic rifle. Yeah, definitely a better weapon than you started in, with in the game. Say, there's a jo- <laughs> the big joke in a subreddit is wow, in-game weaponry in the uh-huh. tutorial sequence. Interesting. I, um, I think it's uh, also a lot of people complained about their lack of zombies in the back half of this episode. If you have an eagle eye and a high def television, oh. when you're panning over to buildings that are collapsing in the lower left quadrant of the screen, there is a lone zombie stalking on one of the rooftops. Nice. Howling at the moon. And it's pretty creepy and effective if you want to see a preview of what's to come or if you were feeling slighted by not seeing zombies. I think we're going to get them. I think we're going to get them next week for sure. Lots of zombie action. Yeah, I, I want to tell anybody who is like disappointed in the number of zombies. Just wait. Yeah, just wait. They, they have they've just now left the quarantine zone. Give it time. Yeah. My playthrough is any indication there'll be more zombies than there are fucking bullets in the world. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> literally, yeah, all the shivs in the world are not going to save you. I, I do love that shot. It gets me feeling all like nostalgic when you see the towers. One of them leaned over on the other yeah. like that because that is a shot straight out of the game. It sure is. And I remember that sequence of the game very well. And it's like. Man, that that's so cool that they were able to just bring that iconic shot into the show. Yeah, and we kind of gave the short shrift because we get we talked about this so much in detail in instant take. But also, I know that not everybody it seemed not everybody listens to the instant takes, but just how well they translated this. And it must be it, it must be like when the when a show's done this much careful study of its own world, like you're pre-production is essentially done for you you got previs everything mm-hmm. and the the accuracy in which they've captured these people's uh hairstyles and uh clothing uh the weapons and tools they use the rooms that they live in mm-hmm. like it just like the boston quarantine zone felt fucking real um, Joel's a shitty apartment feels like really real in a way that like I don't even think The Walking Dead ever like you know when you see them run to run down apartments in like the Commonwealth that looks like mm-hmm. fairly new apartments that they've ran some extension cords on the wall and stuff but this it's got like the layers of filth and you know yeah. water damage that hasn't been repaired and grime because who the hell can you, how do you you're not going to get Windex in the apartment you're going to spend your <laughs> fucking rations on <laughs> right Mr. Clean uh mm-hmm. it's uh it's just really really effective and it's one of the you know because i don't i don't know how it feels like to have just played the game but it's extremely familiar and very believable um from someone who's hasn't played the game for like uh just under a year are you curious at all to get inside of fedra and see a little bit more of their operation like do they have because one of the things in the near the end of the walking dead was the commonwealth which you know mm-hmm. felt similar ish to to what we're doing here. Um, They had programs of like sweeping the area, making sure there weren't any infected around going out and maybe claiming new territory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do wonder if there's any like expansion operation here in Boston from Fedra, if they have like people on wall duty who are out there, not only patrolling the walls, but also building the walls bigger. Yeah, maybe. Right. I don't know that I think you would have to eventually. I don't know that I need yet? it. I honestly, I, I appreciate the depth we got from Fedra. That this, just so you know that they're like not all faceless 
evil Nazi people. Like there's uh-huh. people that are doing this. They think it's a grim job, but it's a necessary job. Like mm-hmm. they're no more evil than Joel is for shoveling, you know, corpses and pits and getting paid for it. You know, it's like it's this is this is very grim, uh, grim, dark. It's very Warhammer. It's 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 a lot of things that in a civilized society would be beyond the pale. But we are not living in that. And I thought this episode did a really good job of showing that state of the world that there is very limited amount of justice and civilization within the quarantine zones and once you get outside mm-hmm. uh you're gonna find that you know it's just a bunch of raiders and slavers and and worse so yeah it's uh yeah, yeah I, I don't know i don't, I don't know if i want to see more inner workings of fedra okay i'm not sure whether we will or not but i would say like i'm not totally against fedra they're doing an important valuable service for the people here by keeping them safe yeah but also they're executing people who try and leave that safety and that to me sure. is the one thing they did in this episode which says hey these guys are not good you like the punishment for leaving that was like you just can't come back exactly yeah you've yeah. exiled yourself and that's right. fine like yeah. if you want to do that do that but Hey, we caught you leaving, so we're gonna execute you. That's fucked. Yeah, that's that's when you're in a prison slave camp. Yep, yep, yep. I'm not down with that. No matter what you heard on the street, I'm not cool with that. True, that's pretty true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, so that'll do it for this week's coverage. You got any? Do you got anything else you want to talk about? Um, I I guess I want to talk just for briefly about like Ellie and Joel here in this final scene when he beats the man to death right we mm-hmm. we talked about this briefly in the sarah scene um where she was horrified by him killing that old lady with a wrench in, in the post uh, episode behind the scenes coverage they talk about how ellie here is intrigued and sort of excited by joel defending her in that way um but I I don't know. I mean, this guy's ground game was weak anyway. He put up like zero defense. So how yeah. badass was it really? Also let a guy 10 feet away from him get to jump on him when he had an assault rifle. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows how many painkillers he's on on this shift? How sharp he is? I think he feels like he's in control, sure. although he just got stabbed. I Yeah, I don't I don't know. But uh, we'll see, I'm curious to see what this leads to with Joel and Ellie. Because yeah. she's intrigued by the whole situation. Mm-hmm. So am I. All right. Well, if you That's are intrigued it. by the show and you've got uh, some commentary that you'd like to make on it, uh, we will be doing a, a spoiler, uh, not a spoiler. We'll be doing a non-spoiler email consideration um, later on in this week, probably out Thursday, maybe Friday morning. Uh, if you want to send feedback into that, please send it to TLOU, T-L-O-U. That stands for The Last of Us at baldmove.com. Uh, we prob I know we will have a sp- a spore lore, a spoiler section at the very end of that podcast where we talk about uh, some more in-depth stuff for people that played the game and have some questions. It's going to be some literal spore lore where we talk about, you know, maybe what the what what the TV show is playing with by giving up the spore mechanic in favor mm-hmm. of uh, these uh, these mouth tendrils and dr- it seems a direct physical contact. Um, and lots more, uh, should be pretty interesting. We got a lot of stuff to cover. And then of course, Sunday night, we get to do it all again with our instant take, uh, which everyone gets a copy of that. But if you want to watch us record live and crucially participate, uh, using the YouTube chat to send us questions and comments and stuff, 
Uh, you not you need to be a club member. Uh, you get lots of stuff, ad free feeds, tons of bonus content, like the instant talk portion of the podcast. Uh, you can find that at support.baldmove.com if you want to get signed up for the club. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll see you right after the episode airs on Sunday night, and we'll see you for the feedback episode later this week. Last uh, last time, tlou t l o u at baldmove.com for that feedback. Also, uh, this is a new feed for us. You know, we've got a new show, new feed. Uh, it's always appreciated when we do that for people to drop by, search for Savage Starlight um, in your favorite podcast app, and give us uh, if 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 the uh, if the system allows us get, allows you give us some likes or some stars, uh, a nice review uh, would help our like metrics. Um, you know, we're trying to we're trying to scrap, we're trying to scrap with people, uh, we're trying to scrap against the official show, some much larger media outlets. Uh, we usually do pretty good, and it's because we have a lot of listener support in that effort. So if you do have the time and inclination, uh, search up Sa- Savage Starlight. Even if you're listening to it on the Pulp Feed, uh, the combined uh, you know everything coverage on Bald Move, it would really help us out a lot, and we'd appreciate it if you would take the time to give us a few likes, some stars, maybe a few kind words if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, and also share us uh, on social media. Let your friends know about that, uh, that uh, there's a great Last of Us podcast, Savage Starlight. Uh, we would very much appreciate that. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.